Today's program has been brought to you by Fairway Market, like no other market, a New York City institution that sells the best local, national, and international artisan foods for prices that can't be beat. For more information, visit fairwaymarket.com. Hi, this is Joe Campanelli, the host of In the Drink. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. Good evening and welcome to Foment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. I'm Mary Isaac. <laughs> and I'm Chris Kuzmi. And we're your co-hosts on this weekly journey of all things fermentable. Archived on Stitcher, iTunes, and right here at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. <laughs> Hi, everybody. We're really excited about today. We actually have some guests uh, that have been here before, um, or a guest that has been here before, uh, I'm just going to dive again. into the show. Let's dive into the show. So that guest I'm talking about is Chris Prout, who is the brewer at Dirk the Norseman and Greenpoint Beer and Ales. Howdy. 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 And we have Eric Olson, uh, another brewer at, at Greenpoint Beer and Ales. And uh, I've known you for a very long time. Mm-hmm. I met you through working uh, New York City Craft Beer Week, and you were a longtime manager of Briary Lane. Briary Lane. Briary yeah. Lane. And are you still working at Briar Lane? I am. I'm actually still managing Briar Lane. <laughs> so you're, you're pulling double duties. Exactly. Hardcore. What is Briar Lane? Um, it is a small craft beer shop in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. Um, so we're, I like to think of us as sort of a tasting room and beer store. We do small pours, large pours. We do growlers. We do bottles to go. Um, yeah. How long has it been open? We're about five years old. A little bit longer than five. But Have you been with it since the very beginning? Yeah, since day yes. one. Yeah, I right. stocked the shelves on day one, yeah. <laughs> And but the history of it, it's run by uh, Ed, Ed Raven, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, he has an import company as well. Yeah, Raven Import Company. Um, he brings in Gaffel, Kolsch, Javer Pilsner, um, a few beers from a brewery called Regala in Augsburg, Germany. He brings those in also, and a new cider called Sundog from Upstate. So. Oh wow, that's pretty exciting. He's been a longtime staple in New York for for beer and craft beer and pushing the good fight. Of good yeah, cost. exactly. He started at Brooklyn Brewery. He was the first sales rep there. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I love what he's doing, and I love that he did that. And Briar Lane is by far one of my, one of my favorite beer shops. And uh, as a matter of fact, I had, had some there last night, perhaps a bit too many. Um, <laughs> but then the chapter continues, or like there are new chapters. Ed's doing more stuff, and then opened up Greenpoint Beer and Ales and Dirk the Norseman. What is that about? How long has this been in the running? And, and uh, were you, you were part of it in the beginning, right? Well, I mean, sure. I guess Chris and I were both there through the planning stages. You know, he he jumped on the brewing position early on, and I really wanted in, you know, uh, as it came to fruition. So I I threw my hat in the ring and hoped that I could, you know, yeah. join Chris and do some brewing as well. That's fantastic. And Chris, you, you are part of the, the Brooklyn Bruisers, which meets at Browery Lane. That's The correct. first Monday of every month. Right. And uh, I met you through this, or through the home brewing scene. Sure. Yeah. And you just befriended... Ed Raven. Yeah, I, I started working at the beer store early on as well. And uh, I, th- I think Dirk the Norseman and Greenpoint Beer and Ale sort of came about with, with Ed and along with myself and, and Eric and a couple other guys just sort of throwing around ideas about what, what we could do next. And 
you know, Ed would, would take us upstate to his house and, and generally, uh, generously host us at a, at a concert series up there every year, Mountain Jam, and we'd all nice. get together and, and do team-building exercises and basically throw ideas around. And this, this came up one year, uh, brewery, along with a brew pub. Uh, we looked for, for spaces for quite a while, uh, and then we landed on a spot at North 15th Street in Greenpoint uh, at the corner of Franklin. Uh, it's about a 6,000-square-foot old uh, plastic bag manufacturing uh, factory and converted it all into into what is now a 240-odd-seat uh, brew pub with a full kitchen. Full kitchen. Smoked, yeah. smoked stuff. Smoked, smoked stuff. Fantastic. Beer is made on premise. We, we have 16 lines there. Seven of them are of Ed's import stuff, the Gaffel Yaver and, and Regla, and now the Sundog Cider. And we have nine lines uh, dedicated to what we make there. That's awesome. Yep. Had you commercially brewed before this venture? I hadn't. Yeah, no, I, I started as a home brewer, mm-hmm. and I did a, a short internship or apprenticeship at, at a, uh, the Outer Banks Brewing Station in North Carolina. How big is the Outer Banks? They have a 20-hectoliter system or 18-barrel uh, system there. Uh, it is a brew pub as well. Uh, yeah. That's really fun. What kind of stuff did they make at Outer Banks? Is it kind of run? You know, is their brew pub is a pretty wide style? They do. They, they, they change it up. But their, their flagships are uh, lemongrass wheat, uh, which is they're, they're known pretty well for. Uh, Kolsch-style beer called an Olsch. Uh, but they, they brew all kinds of beers there that, that are really delicious. How, how long have you been homebrewing? Uh, I would say probably four years. And Eric was there. He helped me with my first first batch of beer. It was, right. was an extract batch. And I got to know Eric at the beer store as well. We, we worked together. And, and uh, it's it's really great spot because, you know, a lot of beer geeks would come in there. And it's really – Eric sort of set it up to be – a spot that a lot, you could come in there and, and talk about beer and learn a lot about beer and really appreciate beer for what it is. And uh, I, I was a part of that. And that's, you know, Ed set that up. Eric built that. Uh, I'm part of that process. Uh, and that's, that's how I really learned a lot about making beer. And it was right there. Right 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 yeah. Yeah. Do you still homebrew, Eric? Um, not right now. <laughs> you know, I did for a lot of years. Um, I grew up uh, with a dad who started brewing when Carter made it legal, so I always oh, had, nice. you know, smell of mash in the house and mm. grew up around craft beer, and I homebrewed for a while. Um, I lost all my equipment when I moved to New York City, um, so I hadn't brewed in a few years, but... Yeah. Where are you from? Uh, Albany area. Albany. So, yep. uh, so since I moved down here, I haven't brewed too much, but I'm still into it, and I love brewing with Chris now. It's great. Yeah, yeah. and you guys aren't... Make, I mean, it's not a giant system. It's an awesome system that you pretty much sourced and found and built right, right. Chris? yeah we, we started what was that process like for you well you know it's it's a lot of work to sort of to figure out what first of all you have to have the space you have to you have to know what can go in uh the space you have and once you have a space you start laying out the floor plan uh i was pushing for as big a system as we could put in there uh because you know to make when you make beer you, you know it's 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 a lot of work and you want to make the most beer you can at one time. But we, we settled on a five-barrel system, uh, which is small, but it's, it affords us the flexibility to experiment quite a bit. Right. It's, you know, we don't have the ingredient costs. We're, 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 we're trying a lot of different things. And it, between Eric and myself, uh, there's a lot of ideas that, that flow freely. 
and along with you know the homebrew club and you guys uh the community of new york brewing is really sort of active and growing and an inspiration you know it's been an inspiration for me for sure so right now you have nine beers nine lines at uh dirk the norseman right right and then you also have two beers on at browery lane that are not on it, Dirk the Norseman. That's correct. So right now you have 11 different beers out there yes. from your yes. five-barrel yep. system, which is pretty darn impressive. Yep. The other thing I think that was impressive, I mean, we went to, when was the opening? It was like three months ago? It was in March. In March. Mid- middle of March. Yeah. Um, so, so Chris and I went to the opening, and I really hadn't talked to you very much about what you were brewing. Mm-hmm. But one thing from day one that I was very impressed with is that you have a lot of variety. So you had everything from a very low ABV mild. You had a smoked Hellas. Mm-hmm. Um, you had uh, several different wonderful pale ales and IPAs. Right. Um, I believe a porter. Sure. So yep. a pretty you know nice variety. And now you have nine lines on plus these two at you know that we right. had that Chris and I had last night at sure. At uh, so you're, you're doing a sour. You're we've doing... done a kettle sour. Yeah. We what what we've done is is we sort of set up our fermentation schedule around our yeast. Mm-hmm. So we we have six tanks. We're using six kinds of yeast, and we run about four generations of those yeasts. So sometimes, I mean, the first generation, we, we typically start with a, with a lighter beer, and then we move it up to stronger beers. Uh, but we don't brew the same beer, typically, uh, within that strain. So mm-hmm. what you'll see is, you know, we start, say, like an Abbey strain out with uh, a variation on a grisette, and then we'll move to, uh, so, you know, a Cezanne or, you know, keep that strain going up you know up to a triple is where we finally well a quadruple actually is where we ended up with that nice. that abbey strain so we move them along uh we do experiment quite a bit yeah we've got barrels we've, we've we're trying a lot of different things and uh really love what we're doing there it's 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 exciting ed get basically gave you guys complete creative control over the beers right he does yeah, yeah. it's it's nice uh he sees the numbers though and and he, right. if he says you know and that's what the flagship beers, they pay the bills, you know, and that, that affords us to, to experiment more. Sure. Uh, so what are your flagship beers? Since we don't have that? any yet. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I think that's what you see with, with a lot of breweries. You know, they have their, their beers that they make quite a bit and they're popular. Uh, and that's what keeps the brewers going. You know, mm-hmm. that's what sure. keeps the, the excitement going because you, you can knock out your flagship beers and feel good about them and feel good about where they are. And then you, those can afford you to brew other beers that, that you that you want to try out. And that's where you see your seasonals or your experimental beers. Or yeah. cool. What have been some challenges uh, jumping from? You were brewing five gallons at a time, right? You went from right. five gallons to five barrels. There's five. I started out with five gallons, moved to a to a kegel, which is ten gallons, and then uh, to the five barrel system. The, the hardest part, I would say. Uh, it's just the equipment, just learning and understanding all the equipment and, and laying out the, the brewery. And, and you know, it's, it's a lot of different, I, I wouldn't say engineering, but it's, it's sort of just how all the pieces fit together and learning what those pieces are. Because you know the, the process is pretty much the same, but it's, it's, uh, it's just a matter of scaling up. I mean, it's, right. it's, as far as ingredients go, I would say we, we've gotten, uh, you know, we whirlpool now. Uh, where I, we didn't, I didn't do that at home, so our hop utilization is is a little bit higher on the bitterness. So we moved a lot of our our additions later in the process. Right. But, yeah. I love it. 
And about how about cider? Are you still doing cider? Are you excited uh, for cider you know, season coming in? <laughs> missed out. Missed out on cider last year. I, I am excited about it. I do want to work more with apples. I think that uh, you know New York is is the apple state, and I think there's a lot of opportunity to, to bridge the gap between cider and beer. Even you yeah. know, is, is, you know. Is, Have you ever done that? Have you ever made a graph? I haven't got no. any in the, in the future. No. I know you, you have uh, one, yeah, one, yeah. and I, it's not my only one. I mean, I, I hope to do it again. You know, it's yeah. definitely a lot of fun, and about twenty percent apple juice from from uh, from Massachusetts I used in, in this beer, kind of going for like a, an apple pie kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It's a bready. It was on a bready pale ale base, yeah, with the apple, and then dry hopped with a little bit of cinnamon sticks. And it ended up working really well. Nice. Although I wish I used uh, some molasses in there to kind of round it out because it ended up really dry. Mm-hmm. It's nice and mature. Still have a couple cakes left. But enough about me. <laughs> so I, I want, I'm curious to know. So every time that I've walked by Dirk, if, even if I've been going somewhere else and have not been able to stop in, you guys are packed. Yeah. I mean, you, you're doing a lot of business. Well, we, we are. We, we opened up in March. I think during the week you see it, it's a little bit slower. But we're, we're starting. I mean, we haven't done a lot of advertising. We don't have a presence on the web yet. So it's. It's all water mouth right now. I think I think you know, we sell about half the beers we make in house right now. I expect it to pick up a little bit in the summer, but you know we're, we're sort of we're we're stepping into this and we're we're sort of we're not jumping in. We're, we're scaling up at a, at a pace I think that we can probably handle. And, mm-hmm. and uh, it is crowded on the weekends, and that's probably what you're seeing. Uh, but yeah, it's it's. I think people enjoy it there. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and everyone. I mean, everyone that we've known that have been there, that has been there, obviously has raved about it. What What are you finding that people are drinking? A lot, a lot right of now? a lot of hoppy beers. Okay, yeah. that's good. That's that's mostly what we see. Uh, so pale mostly. ales, your IPAs. I know you did yeah. one double IPA at least. Right, IPA with uh, Tupelo honey mm-hmm. to help dry it out and give a little bit of the, the, the Tupelo honey. I think has a little bit of caramel and citrus. Uh, flavor to it, yeah. When we, when we made me with it, yeah. Well, with that, we're going to take a really quick break, and we'll be back in a moment on Fermented Body. Steve Jenkins from Fairway Markets. 
I've devoted my idiot career to the old ways, the old recipes, the old tools, the old geography of where serious foods come from for centuries. And I've strived to make these wonderful things available to New Yorkers for 37 years. So it's a fait accompli for us to support Heritage Radio Network. And I hope you will too, and I hope you'll keep tuning in. For more information, please visit fairwaymarket.com. Welcome back to Foment About It on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We're here in the studio with Eric Olson and Chris Prout of Greenpoint Beer and Ales and Dirk the Norseman in association with Browery Lane and Raven Imports. Did I get everything? All of it. it. Oh, we also... Brooklyn Bruisers. And Brooklyn Bruisers. So just for all of you out there who don't live in Brooklyn, haven't been, so Dirk the Norseman is the name of the actual brew pub, so the restaurant slash brewery that you can go. Mm -hmm. And then your beers that that you sell outside will be under the name Greenpoint Beer... An ale, ale work, right? That's okay. Right. Yep. So just for clarification. That's right. So uh, tell us, you guys just poured us a beer. We actually tasted this last night at Browery Lane. So this mm-hmm. is one of those special beers that you're not pouring right now at the at Dirk, but is yeah, pouring at Browery Lane. this is only available at Browery Lane. Uh, now, did you make this with that in mind, just out of curiosity? This, this beer is inspired by, by you guys. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this, this uh, The first time I heard about a kettle sour was, was from Chris and Mary. And it was a technique that I hadn't really thought about. Uh, you know, you know, Ber- Berliner Weisses uh, typically take a long time with lactobacillus uh, to, to do its thing and make a beer sour. Uh, this technique is, is not a sour mash, but a kettle sour. Uh, we used nine pounds of, of grain in the kettle uh, with, with wort that was boiled but then cooled to 120 uh, we dropped the pH to f- 4.5 before we uh, put the grain in, just so lactobacillus would have a better chance than the, than the other bugs that were on the, the grain. Uh, and we, we waited about, well, we took pH readings throughout the process. We saw the temperature drop to about uh, 100 degrees, maybe 95 degrees over, over 48 hours. So you started at 120, let it drop, because there's no heat element to keep. There to is. Keep, we, our, uh, we, we gas fire our, our kettle. Okay. But we don't, we don't want to interfere in the process. Right. We, we thought if we started high, uh, I think, you know, uh, depending on your process, I think there's, there's a lot of people that start around 100 degrees, 110. We started at the high end of the range and just let it go and let it come down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wait, can I ask how you dropped your pH? With before? this one? We thought about different ways. So, you know, there's phosphoric acid, there's uh, lactic acid, and citric acid. There's other acids as well, but uh, those, are, those are the three that I considered. We used citric acid with this one because we thought it would, it would match the lemongrass mm-hmm. and the sriracha uh, well in the beer. Mm-hmm. And then after this, so how you guys left it at 48 hours? 48 hours, I think the pH came down to about 3.2 or 3.3. And that's when we uh, we actually we came in at the in the middle of the night. We we were doing calculations, to, you know, throughout the day to see if the pH would follow a path. Uh, so we we took readings throughout the day, and we determined that in order to to catch the pH where we wanted it and boil, we would come in at 3 a.m. in the morning <laughs> and start the brew day. So we did. We we got up at 3 a.m. and we were down there at 3:30 and came in took a ph reading it wasn't it, it didn't drop mm-hmm. as much as we thought so we said well 
what the hell with it you know we'll go ahead and boil it anyway it, it tastes good we, we took a sample right. and, it, and tasted it and it was definitely had a lactic uh, sourness and had a smell it smelled it smelled a little bit corny yeah. uh, <laughs> like cream corn yeah. it, but yeah it, a little bit yogurty yeah, too yeah. Yeah. yeah so we, we uh, started to fire up the kettle and sure enough the 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 burner didn't go. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so, long story short, you know, trying to figure out what's going on with the kettle, the burner, uh, we, we drive down to, uh, I guess... Park Slope. Par- yeah, yes. Park Slope area to a burner place. We found... We thought we had the part that we needed after about seven, eight hours of troubleshooting the kettle. <laughs> and uh, we, we found the part, took it back to the brewery, uh, put it on the burner, and it didn't work. Mm-hmm. So, I, knocking around with with the, the burner more, and there's a, a ring inside that was touching the the knockout on the flame sensor, and that that's what was it was, was causing. It. Yeah. So we just reset the ring and it fired right up. But you got down to a lower pH. <laughs> and as meanwhile, yeah, yeah. meanwhile, it kept going a little bit. Yeah, yep. yeah. So it it's. Tastes- it's it's within that 3.3 to 3.2 range before we boiled the second time. And how long did you boil the second time? Uh, you know, I think it was a regular boil. It was around 60 minutes. Okay, so full. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And you said you used lemongrass and sriracha yeast in this? Fresh lemongrass uh, and sriracha at, uh, for, for a flame-out addition. Yeah. Now, this is a generally unusual this is an unusual sour beer, and you get all. What kind of clientele do you get at Browery Lane, and how, how, what's the response been on this beer? Um, we get, I guess, a huge mix of people. We get the diehard beer geeks, but we also get just local regulars who are, you know, into craft beer a little bit or just want to challenge themselves. So, um, we put up both beers over the weekend: the IPA and the sour. Um, both were pretty popular. I think the IPA moved a little bit faster, only because. It's got those three words. Yeah, it doesn't matter. IPA. (laughs) Say IPA. Call this an IPA. We'll move. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's good for the weather. The sour, I think, has been moving because it's nice and refreshing. Mm -hmm. What is the IPA? Um, The IPA is um, a new one that Chris and I did, I guess. Um, It's uh, brewed with, um, it's a pretty simple malt bill, um, Pilsner and wheat. It's pretty light. Um, It's about 7%. We used... um, it's called Island IPA, I guess, because we used hops from islands. We used some New Zealand. We used, um, I guess, Sirachi, which is sort of Japanese origin. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, is it Motuka and Nelson? Um, so we were really... Wait, wait, you used Sirachi, Nelson, and... Motuka. 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 Yeah. Motuka. I don't know how to... Don't know how to All right, when I did, t- anyway, when I got one last night, I said, oh, this has got to have Sriracha Ace in it. We both thought there was But Sriracha. there wasn't listed on the board, so I'm glad mm, to hear that. Good call. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was doubting my palate for a little bit, but... I thought somehow the, the Nelson and the Motueka was putting Combined. off... I was like, wow, the combination is yeah. Sriracha. <laughs> so it, but back to the island. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. island hops. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we, this was the first uh, beer I think we... we we've done a hop stand with so we did exclusively hop standing with these we um what, so what tell, do you mean yeah. By that? yeah tell, um, tell people what that means sure so we did our regular boil i think it was 90 minutes um we didn't add any hops um rather than um whirlpool add hops in the whirlpool what we did is we, we um, pulled the ward out brought it through the chiller um back through the whirlpool arm spun it till we brought it down to about 180 um so lower than boil then we dumped in all of our hops um sort of bypassed the chiller Whirlpool is normal, 
and then rested and brought it back to the chiller into the fermenter. So basically everything went in post boil. So it's kind of like an extreme hopper hopper sting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Had you guys done that before? No, no, Eric brought that, that technique up to yeah. me. He said, we, you know, because we were getting more bitterness in our beers because we were figuring our system out. And Eric said, you know, why, don't we, why don't we do a hop stand? I said, yeah, yeah let's try. It's Man, and you great. get a, yeah, there's a lot, ton of hop aroma and flavor mm-hmm. in that beer. So, How do you calculate the amount, the amount of hops to use when, yeah. you're, when you're hop bursting or, or hop standing? But I think we, we, just, <laughs> we just took what we thought would go in, in the regular, regular boil and then just added it all at the end. So you did the same amount. You didn't over. You didn't compensate for the fact that there was like maybe a little bit more. Right. Okay. <laughs> right, now, are, are you using pellets for this technique? This is all pellets. Okay. Yeah. Yep. It's delicious. A lot it's of uh, dry hopping as well. Okay. Okay. Yeah. okay. Makes sense. And it's a amazingly light beer. I mean, it's wheat and pilsner, but it's seven percent, and it's a sneaky seven percent. Mm-hmm. And you guys used really what type of yeast did you use for that? This was a cold yeast. A cold yeast. Okay. Yep. Uh-huh. Fermented a little bit cooler. Nice and fruity, soft finish yep, with the cold yeast. You said you were using six different strains over there right now? We are, and we rotate them. And what are the, yeah, okay, yeah. so. So we, we do have a cold yeast going. We have a wit yeast. Uh, we have a cal ale. We've got a uh, American wheat yeast right now, a Saison yeast, and. Ardennes. Another, another Belgian strain, yeah. yep. And we rotate them. We, once, once that four generation cycle expires on on that beer maybe we'll go a fifth we're thinking about doing a fifth on one but we'll, we'll go with another strain mm-hmm. and we're not we're not typically brewing beers like you know the ipa is with the call yeast. so we're not typically necessarily you know brewing beers that are specific for that strain right yeah you mentioned that you got a lot of barrels what kind of barrels and what are you putting into them and taking out of them well, we're shooting for Doodling. a fairly neutral barrel. We we got them from a, a, a Long Island uh, winery, um, and there's there's a lot of vineyards up up Long Island. I think if you called around, you could probably find some barrels there. But they're they're uh, red wine barrels, and what we do, uh, we have uh, a quad in one, which would probably be our our holiday beer, and we've got an old ale again in English style, one with uh, Brett C. The Glicini strain, and then one without. And we have four barrels with uh, multi-grain saison, and that's with uh, all of the Valley uh, Valley Malt product. The malts are okay. up in uh, Massachusetts. Hadley, Hadley, mm-hmm. Hadley yeah. yeah. And that's with uh, buckwheat, spelt rye, wheat, uh, barley, and oats. And those those were we're experimenting with the botanomyces as well. We have uh, the lambicus, the uh, bruxellensis, and the as well, as, as, along with uh, a barrel that doesn't have any of it in it. Right. Yeah. Cool. So what else do you guys have coming up? What do you bring for the summer? Uh, you know, we, we, uh, we're we doing something for the the event with the... Uh, yes, for the uh, the, the swine... The sol- right. summer solstice? Session, summer swine? session sol- swine festival. Right. We haven't really named this festival. And tickets are sold out. I'd love to invite everybody to it. But we're, we're, yeah. we're Although there's booked, a small possibility that... We might open it up for yeah, another 25 to 50 expanded. tickets. Okay. Based on the space, which we're excited about. But that's June 21st at, uh, at the Arrogant Swine, uh, mm-hmm. which is a place being opened up by Tyson Ho, who's a pretty... Guess, what are you uh, guys making guy. for that? Um, well, I made a. I actually did a collaboration with five. Well, with uh, I am five uh, with uh, with Big Alice, and we made a uh, a smoked mild kind of beer, like be about three point six 
100%. Okay. And then I'm going to do a smash ale, too, just a straight-up uh, all-hot-bursted uh, beer with Golden Promise, and I haven't decided on my hop yet. So. Mm-hmm. Now, on the homebrew side, I'm going to make a blackberry cider. Nice. And I think I'm going to make a short mead, but I don't know what kind yet. All right. Yeah. Maybe you make a short mead. What are you making for? We're, we're thinking we have a... Uh, a cream ale that was kettle soured. So, oh, yeah. So oh, nice. Sour cream ale along with, uh, we did do a, a grazer this past week that we might have. This, it could be ready for it. Say what a grazer is. Yeah. It's it's 100% oak smoked wheat malt. Yeah. And not a lot of, uh, well, actually, it, from what Eric and I have, have sort of researched, it, it does have significant hopping, but I think the uh, Eric found something that said that the hops were aged, so it might not be as aggressively uh-huh. hopped as, as you guys one would think. And there are different hop, because uh, we've talked about this before with people, there are different hop varieties and wheat. I don't think we get some of those yeah, hop some varieties, of the right? Varieties, yeah, some mm-hmm. So it's interesting. Right. And the yeast, I think, is no longer available. Yeah. So whatever was used, Yet. there was a, some theory that <laughs> right. Grotzer, uh was had some tartness, and a lot of it's a lot of it's a disputed uh, sort of fact whether or not it's true. Um, but so another theory was that the yeast, the classic Grotzer yeast, had some sort of slight acidity or, or mm-hmm. tannins or tartness that uh, provided that. So. Speaking of that, I just have to mention that um, this just reminds me that in the New York Times today, there's an article on on the sequencing of, of brewer's yeast DNA. So. Um, there are actually white labs, and then there's another lab in Belgium that are sequencing all these different varieties of brewer's yeast, and they're going to work on, you know, possibly, instead of gem- genetically modifying the yeast, they're basically, this could help in, uh, increase breeding of, you know, in creation of new strains of yeast through breeding, natural breeding, instead of genetic modification. But mm-hmm. if you haven't read it, go out there. It's New York Times today. It's really interesting. Mm-hmm. But I think that that would be a way maybe to bring back some of these strains or yeah. develop strains that, you know, fit kind of the flavor, flavor profile and aroma profile that you're looking for in something like a Grotzer. So, you see, anyway. You see a lot that, of you saying, like, hey, we're related. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dude, you're my cousin. <laughs> and where is that Grotzer going to be? Will that be on at uh, Dirk this summer? It, it probably will. Okay. Yeah, it's, it, also, along with uh, at, at the, for us to legally yeah. make a Grotzer, we have to sprinkle some barley into it apparently so oh. maybe, maybe it should be 99.9 percent mm-hmm. it is, it is smoke, but i think that's what you meant it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is no we this actually, happened to our friend uh, uh paul Dugolinski. i can never pronounce his name from blind bat but uh, yeah. he uh you know he called the ttb or he got the kibosh from the, from the ttb when he would submit his recipe formation on it, it was like you're supposed to have some barley in there and and he was on the phone with him. he's like well okay but how much and they're like some so he yeah. so he sprinkles. <laughs> we, we definitely <laughs> put some in there. <laughs> yeah, pretty good, uh, but that's our show, man. You guys are awesome. Thank you yeah. so much for coming. Check out Thanks, Dirk Thanks, the Norseman, Green yes. Park Bear Nails, Browery Lane, and uh, Raven Imports. Shout out to Ed Raven. And I got to say that it's an easy walk between Dirk the Norseman and Browery Lane, and there are several other destinations around. So Greenpoint, that yeah. little area of of Greenpoint is you could. Well, we did a craft beer crawl last night. <laughs> and still uh, feeling the effects of that. <laughs> so, yeah, it's a great, I mean, super good craft beer destination now. So if you're in New York City, you want to drink some good craft beer, you know where to go. Greenpoint. Brooklyn. Thanks, Chris Prout, Eric Olson. Yeah. Thank you. Femen about it. Femen Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website, or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. 
You can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.